Hi, my name's Allison, and I'm a compulsive eater. <laughs> and thank you so much for um, allowing me to be of service. Um, so I'll just give you a little background. Um, I mean, we all have a story, and we pretty much so know what the story is. But um, I'm originally from Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, my dad is a farmer, and my mother was a school teacher. Uh, yesterday was my mother's birthday. She would have been 74. She passed away when she was 60. Uh, she was chronically ill my whole life um, with um, bipolar disorder, which in the 70s we called manic depression. Uh, she developed type 2 diabetes and uh, multiple sclerosis. So um, she was always um, sick. And my dad was a workaholic. So um, I don't know that I necessarily popped out of the womb a compulsive eater and an addict, but if I didn't, it like happened immediately after that. Um, I've always known that my relationship with food was um, not like, um, I don't want to use the word normal, but really not like other people's. Um, I thought about food all the time. I snuck food. I stole it. Um, my mother was a compulsive eater, um, and she was, she was very obese, um, and she asked me to be a perfectionist <laughs> and it was um a very challenging childhood I used to say you know I'd hear people talk about people pleasing and I would be like oh those poor people <laughs> and or people who would say yeah I never knew what I was what I was going to happen when I walked home you know I never knew what what I was going to walk into and I'd be like oh that's terrible but that actually has been my experience the more I peel back the onion and become more aware um, so I, I was always bigger. Um, when I see pictures of myself now, I don't see that at all, but it was made clear to me that I was bigger and, um, yeah. So sometimes I look at those pictures and I'm like, what happened that that little girl got that message, you know? Um, so I, I was an athlete when I was in junior high, I started playing sports and, um, I played basketball and it, I guess it was like after basketball season was over. So I don't know. And my mom like brought me into the, into her bathroom and she showed me a picture of myself during basketball season. And she said, now look at yourself in the mirror and do you see the difference, you know, cause in the picture I was thinner and then just within a couple of months or, you know, weeks time I had gained weight. And, um, so there was often stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I first heard about, um, OA when I was 19, I was, um, volunteering at a 24 hour crisis phone line and um, during my summer home from my first semester, from my first year of college, like, doesn't that sound like such a fun thing to do with your summer? And 
one woman that I worked with, she 12-stepped me, and I didn't know what that was, but she was showing me her pictures, and she said, you know, I'm in OA, and I'm the contact person for OA, and I heard her talk about that, and I was like, that's for me, and then I didn't go to my first meeting until I was 35. (laughs) So uh, the resistance is strong with this one. Um, And, oh, I came into OA 14 and a half years ago, right around the time of 4th of July. I count that as my, the date when I came into OA. Um, And at that time I was um, working in a, um, I was a chef at a country club, a golf club, golf and tennis club here. And I lived like a mile from the club. So there was not a lot of living that happened in that mile between my house and work. And towards the end of, um, headed towards my bottom before I got into program, um, I would just go to work. I would eat all day at work. All I would think about was food. Um, When I would wake up, like, what was I going to eat? How can I get it? How much am I going to eat? How am I going to be able to fit all these different things in into one day? Um, And then I would either stop at the market in my um, community or I would go to the store and get the goods and go home. And um, that was it. It was just me and the food. And I remember very clearly... um, sitting I was in my bed and I was eating and I was sitting there and I felt so awful that I just kept thinking like this next bite could literally kill me like that's how bad I felt and and I just could not not put the spoon in my mouth I couldn't not do that so finally I um after many years of knowing about OA and like Googling it and trying to get the map so I knew exactly where I was going because I didn't want to be lost. And I actually called um, the number, the contact number, and I was expecting to just get like a answering service or something. And a person answered and um, they, I said, is there actually a meeting tonight at 630 at this location? And, the, and he said, yes. And you will be the most important person at the meeting. And um, I'm a crier, so I'm going to cry. I'm just FYI. But nobody had really ever said anything like that to me before. And um, so I went to I went to my first meeting. It was a Friday night meeting, and I just couldn't believe what people were saying out loud. You know, like I just couldn't believe it. And, um, so I was home and all I did was go to meetings. Um, I went to, for at least a year, I went to at least one meeting a day. I mean, that was just, um, I was home and it was all I knew to do. And I didn't have friends. I was very isolated. So it's not like I had a whole lot of other stuff going on. Right. (laughs) So I lost a lot of weight. I was on a very rigid food plan. I guess I was probably, 230 somewhere in there when I came into program um and I worked a very rigid weight and measured food plan I lost a lot of weight and um 
my life got bigger. I started dating and, um, then, um, my mother died (laughs) and that was, that was rough. And I think that point, like when I started prioritizing bigger life things over getting to meetings in my recovery, whatever that looked like, that was when the extra food started creeping in. That was when I was not so, um, I was not so um, dedicated to abstinence, right? It's like, well, okay, this isn't really crossing that much of a line, you know, it's okay. Um, And it didn't happen overnight, but um, I was in relapse and I had these ideas that like, as long as I'm not eating a certain brand, right, then I'm fine. As long as I just don't eat that brand. (laughs) And then, you know, I was eating that brand, like everything that brand made by the end of it, right? So um, ultimately what happened was in 2013, 2012, my grandmother died. My mother was an only child. I'm an only child. And my mother lived with her mother at the end. And... um, So my mother had passed away and then my grandmother passed away and I was working at a really lose, lose, stressful job. And I would just go to, I was working in a whole foods. So I, I worked in the heroin factories, right. And I would just go to work and I would just be like, eat, 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 eat all day long. And, um, finally in August of 2013, I just bottomed out really badly and I took FMLA And, um, I had never thought I would be a person who would do that. And, um, I had to have a job, you know, I'm not worth anything if I'm not being productive or working. So, um, I decided that recovery therapy and then closing out my grandmother's estate, that those were my jobs. That was my job. And, I started going back to meetings regularly. I didn't feel like I had ever left recovery, but it's funny how the, um, you know, it's, it's before, you know, it's like, Oh, I've only been a couple of times this year, you know? And then I would go and people would be like, Oh, are you new? And I'm like, no, I'm not new, (laughs) but that's just how, um, so What I did at that point was I knew that I was still going to be eating, but I just knew that I couldn't do it. If I was going to do it, I had to tell somebody. And what that looked like was I would go to the store, get the goods, eat it, and then maybe text someone afterwards. And then I got that got to where um, I was calling the person on the way to the store and just praying for voicemail, basically. And then it evolved to, um, okay, I'm in the store, I'm buying the stuff, I'm going to be talking on the phone while I'm doing it. And people would say, well, can't you get something else? You know, can't you get like a healthy? And I would be like, no, that's not the deal. (laughs) I'm just going to talk to you while I do this thing. And I would talk on the phone while I was binging, and I have even binged in front of a person before. Um, And that is really how that was major progress. And I don't know that I could ever go, this is the moment I came back from relapse or if I can say I'm not in relapse anymore. I don't know. My, my abstinence, you know, does involve some foods and eating behaviors, 
Um, but really, at this point in my um, recovery, I'm focusing on things like abstaining from uh, torturing myself with overthinking and indecision. I abstain from uh, plucking and picking and mashing and poking on my face. <laughs> and I know that I will be back in the, I, in the bathroom with the tweezers, but I say I am abstinent from this. And when I say I am abstinent from this, that means to me that I will stop sooner and I will do it less. And that pretty much so is how this shit works for me. It's just, it is a slow thing. It's nothing that I do. It's really isn't. It's just about being honest and starting with that. Um, I see how perfectionism is really the core of my illness. Um, I see perfectionism as a, as child abuse. Um, and I just had that thought recently that to put the to put perfectionism on a child is one of the crueler things a person could do. Sorry, that's my dog drinking. Sorry about that. Um, that to not because the adult knows that that child can never be perfect. Yet I am going to tell you that I expect perfection from you, and so that is like one of the worst setups ever. And um, that has taken me many years to find, you know, to get to that thought. Um, I still, I forget, I am still powerless. I struggle. Yesterday I was working and um, I just got I just so much despair, really. I was in halt. I was tired. I wasn't really working on anything. It wasn't going didn't look like I was productive to me. It just looked like, oh, I've just stalled out. And so afterward, I like ended the meeting and I, I got off the meeting and I um, I texted some sponsees. And now I would say sponsorship and my sponsees are the crux of my program. Um, I learned so much from my sponsees, uh, listening to them, talking to them, you know, what comes up for me when they they talk to me and I'm very transparent with my sponsees and I was texting one yesterday I was like I'm so frustrated blah 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 in my mind everyone I could think of to call was going to tell me what I should do that I couldn't get past that like I was going through the you know rolodex of people be like no they're going to tell me what to do no they're going to tell me what to do I don't like being told what to do my um my sponsee was like higher power maybe <laughs> that's like oh right higher power I hadn't even thought about higher power um I sometimes think of HP as my highest potential and step 11 is so gentle talking about please increase my desire for the things that align me with my higher power or, and please decrease my desire for the things that block me from my higher power and my highest potential. And I, I mean, it's all a gift, right? There is nothing that I can do that is outside of the grace of my higher power. It's not like my higher power doesn't see me, see my resentments or see me binge eating or, you know, 
it's and they love me anyway right so um oh it is uh it's a really tough disease nobody would ever choose to be a compulsive eater right i mean it's like it's horrifically gross and uh but it's those wounded parts of me that need the most love especially the part of me that's a compulsive eater that's not going away and uh, I'm I'm lovable even as a compulsive eater. So thanks for letting me share.